You're listening to In Her Boots, the bootless relaunch, a podcast presented to you by Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. My name is Tiffany Lachey. Hi, Tiffany. I'm Dr. Akila Martin, and I am a soil enthusiast and a soil scientist, and I am in love with creating partnerships uh, with soil for others in my community and my network. And I'm excited to be here with you today, Tiffany. Have you always been interested in soil and growing food? Where did that begin? Yeah, that's a good question. So my mother actually started me on it. So we had a garden at our home. I didn't like any of it at all. She's growing stuff I didn't eat. I didn't eat none of that foolishness that she was growing. But it was, you know, when I think about it now, it's like, wow, you know, those those moments that you have with your, you know, with your family, they were important. And at the time, I don't know that I was able to appreciate it. But anyway, she she was a science teacher. So she um, she would always make me do a science project around plants or compost or plants, <laughs> plants. So, so every year I did a project around plants. And a lot of it was basically trying to help the plants thrive a little more. And so one of the things we did, we did, we, tr- we built our own compost bag. Well, not the bag, but you know, compost in the bag, in the garage from the grass clippings and leaves and things like that we collected just to see, went out there and turned it. I remember, I don't know why this is sticking in my memory. And then we used that compost on some of the plants just to see, you know, how that compost would impact the growth. So that was one of my science projects. And so from there, I went to the Chicago High School for Ag Sciences, not of my doing, not of my choice at all. I cried the whole time, but my mother said I had to go because they had they had stated that they everyone in the top 10 would be guaranteed scholarships to college. So for her, that was the, the green light to make me go there. And so at that school, we didn't necessarily have soil as a course, but we had several ag courses. So from floral design to horticulture to physical science to animal science to food science to ag business ag econ ag leadership i mean we had all types of stuff and we all had to do one year summer school where everyone had to they had their own role because we had a farm everyone had their own role you had to plant so we had to go out there in the hot sun in chicago and plant i don't even remember what i planted but we planted something and then we had a farm stand and I didn't run the farm stand, but some students did where we would sell what we grew. And then like every May, we would do a bedding plant sale because we had a whole bunch of uh, greenhouses. And so part of our horticulture and floral design courses, we had to run that sale and make sure we took, we had to take care of the flowers and things. So from, from that point, I did an internship. I did quite a few internships in high school, but the one that I really liked was was with uh, this young lady and her husband at UIC. They were plant pathologists. And so I'm not going to say I really liked the project, but I liked them. Their energy was great. They were really good mentors. Um, and I just figured at that point, they were like, hey, you should go to Alabama a and We went there. We really loved it. And I said, oh, okay, that seems far. So let me think about it. But we had all said that we were going to go to HBCU, even though all of the PWIs were 
after us to come like to Minnesota, to Iowa State, to um, Nebraska. U of I a little bit was trying to get us Purdue. So schools like that were definitely trying to recruit us, but nobody wanted to go because all the students before us had went and they hated it. So we were like, why would we go there and hate it too? So I, you know, at that point I had to figure out what my major was going to be. And I knew I wanted to do something in ag because ag was basically everything. I mean, I could do fashion design, I could do econ, I could do business. I mean, I could do anything and it was all ag related. So I, I honestly just randomly chose soil because I was tired of plants. Like I said, the projects with plants forever. So I was like, I can't do any more plants. So it's what's the next best thing. It has to be soil. So I looked for schools who had soil. A&M had soil and a few other HBCUs offered soil um, as a, you know undergrad degree. But, you know, like I said, the mentors had said to try Alabama A&M. So when I got there, um, I didn't ever change my major. I stayed with the soil science. I loved it. A lot of the stuff that we were learning, I had already learned in high school because we had already had, you know, um, AP biology, you know, we had all the chemistries, we had had all the horticulture classes. So a lot of that stuff I had already known. So it was the first few years was pretty smooth sailing for me in the soil science. Now, when we started getting the organic chemistry and all that foolishness and soil chemistry and all <laughs> like that. That's when it got a little, little rough, but I did love soil physics. And so uh, that was one of my favorite courses that I took at a and I would say that was those, one of the subjects that I really enjoyed learning. And so I had a chance to work with NASA and, um, I can't, and Boeing. They had this internship that we were able to do while we were in college. And we were looking at, at that time, we were looking at microwave remote sensing of soil moisture. And so I got a chance to go to Germany to present our results. So I just kind of got immersed in it. We had really good faculty who were really good at encouraging and motivating us and you know being very um, energetic in the, the learning space. So it, to me, it just kind of just flowed. Can you explain the importance of going to HBCU? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, what was I going to say? Well, I'll, I'll start with the, uh, why, we, why I chose HBCU. So when I was at the Chicago High School of Ag Sciences, that was a diverse school. And we were in, this was like an experiment that they had. I don't even remember who did, who, what the funding came from from these schools, but they put these type of schools in different urban settings across the United States for, you know, black and brown people to get an education in ag and also go to grad school because that was their whole point. They didn't want us to just go to high school. They wanted us to be able to get, you know, degrees in college and do, do this work outside of that. And so our school was, is, lo is still located in a very racist uh part of Chicago. It's not necessarily Chicago, but people call it Chicago, but it's called Mount Greenwood. And so we spent all of the time I was there protesting because they didn't want us to be there. We couldn't go outside. Like they had to make sure they had to watch us to get on the bus, you know, to go home, to come in. It was very, that's how serious it was to go there. And a few of the students that were of European descent were, they, them and their parents are so aggressive and belligerent towards us, you know, in the top 10. And I, that energy for me just let me know I did not want to go to a PWI. And I knew then that 
we're going to where some black people are. We got some black people that look like us in the, you know, that are faculty that are in the bursar's office, that's in the registration's office, that's a president, you know, vice president that look just like us so that we know that, that we're covered. And I think to me that that's the most important thing that I see people in the learning space that look like me, that reflect who I am, reflect some of the same values that, you know, really care about my path. And I don't know that I would have gotten that at a PWI at that time. And so being in the space with people that look like me, you know, not just the faculty, but the students, um, I mean, there was no greater experience than that. And I, I, there's nothing that could ever take that place because I went to a PWI for grad school and that was horrible. So um, I'm so glad that I <laughs> I chose the HBCU for my for my you know my initial start into you know higher ed. And I think it's important for our people to support our schools. Those schools were there for us, and so if we don't support them, then they're no longer going to be there. And so we need bodies there. We need people to support them, you know, as alumni to support them, to support other students' pathways there so they can finish their education. And then we need to be there as faculty as well, right? So that you can, so you can be uh, some type of um, wise person or knowledgeable person that another, you know, 18 year old who's starting off or whoever, whatever age you are starting in college has an opportunity to see themselves, you know, in that space. Mm-hmm. Representation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you went from Alabama a and to, mm-hmm. to Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I cried. I definitely cried there. It was a different cry. <laughs> you cried? This was a I used to cry all the time. I, I spent the whole, like, at least the first two, yeah, first two years crying because I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom how they had so many resources. I mean, they had so many resources for their SOAR program for the undergrad and the graduates that A&M did not have. And not to say that I felt like I did not have all that I needed or desired when I was at AM. It was just a big difference. You know, when they talk about there's no race, there's no racial discrimination, there's no discrimination, period, lies, tricks and lies. Because what they had was superb, you know, based off how, you know, what they had to offer, the experiences that you could have with soil there versus what, you know, we were presented with at AM. They had way more, you know, resources, more people to, you know, kind of help the faculty because the faculty are under a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the expectation is, you know, they can't do all of that. So they had, you know, um, I don't know what they are called, but just other people there that could hold up that part so that if you had questions, you know, the soil judging team, you know, all that stuff, they had people that was there for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just, I used to cry about that. And when we were there, it was only 200 Black graduate students out of 40,000 students. And not, and I mean, total Black graduate students of the whole Purdue, you know, University in West Lafayette. Um, wow. And for, in, in my, in our soil, because we were in the Department of Agronomy. And so that was, you know, crops and then they had soil. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was the only black person in soil. And I was another young lady who was with, um, she was in the crops to plant. I can't recall what they were doing. They were doing something with sorghum. 
if I'm not mistaken, because the the young the in, the faculty member was from uh, one of the Eastern African countries. So anyway, so it was just me and her, and she ended up leaving because she just couldn't take it. You know the the tension that was happening. So that experience, it taught me a lot, definitely sh showed me what my boundaries are, what my resilience looks like, what, what, you know, how I can be motivated. So once I left agronomy, I, I went to buy ag bioengineering and I still did soils there in a sense, because we were doing um, I had started off with one project that I don't even remember, but they at Purdue, they had the, the National Soil Erosion Lab there. And so they were doing a lot of uh, rain simulations on soil just to see, you know, how soil, soil is eroded. And I was working on a project that I don't even remember. We were looking at the ditches because, you know, in Indiana, they have a lot of tile drains that they put down because Northwest Indiana is definitely a wetland. And so they put down a lot of tile drains to kind of drain the, you know, drain the land so that they could put, you know, residential and commercial stuff. So I started with that project. And then my major professor went on sabbatical for a whole year. So he kind of held me back uh, for a year in a sense because I wanted to stay with him. But while he was gone, I didn't really like that project. So I was like, I got to find something else. And um, and I knew that I wasn't a lab person. I didn't want to be in the lab at all. I had zero interest in doing laboratory. Okay, well, laboratory work. So, you know, at that point, I was like, so what do I like? So we, I, over there, I was taking like GIS classes. I was taking civil engineering courses. And so I was like... Um, when we started doing more of the application part of it, I got more interested versus the whole technical part of it. So I looked, so so we were doing modeling of soil carbon sequestration. Mm. And my project was to, I guess this was kind of the start of me being more academic in the sense of the educational part where we were trying to have some of the students in the civil engineering, this is a one-on-one -on -one class that they take, it's like hundreds of them to run the this, this century model that they had to like just to for them to get a chance to see what carbon sequestration is and what the model can do and what the results were. So I did that project for my PhD, which was really interesting because I was able to have different people on my committee. So that kind of helped me really think about, okay, so I'm not a rural person, you know, I grew up in Chicago. So this whole ag thing wasn't really, wasn't something, you know, that I, you know, like the people at Purdue, a lot of them lived in Indiana, so they were rural people, you know, they were used to living that type of life. And so me having to think about, so if I'm not going to, because I knew that I wanted to be faculty, but I knew I didn't want to be faculty in any place like Purdue, <laughs> which is mostly where, you know, these type of schools that have soil are, you know, they're in places like that. And I knew for a fact that that wasn't, I didn't want to spend my adult life in a place like that. I didn't think that I would be socially, you know, um, what is the word? I don't, I don't feel like my social life would be, would be any joy for that. So uh, what happened was I was up one night during my postdoc trying to figure out what was I going to do with my life? You know, did I really want to work for, did I want to work for, you know, an environmental company that I want to work for the government. And I didn't like the government because I had did a few internships with them and I didn't like that life. So there was a job posting for DePaul uh, for the School for New Learning. And I read their, 
you know, their description. And it sounded like all the great things that I wanted to do. You know, they were community oriented, student oriented. Uh, you know, you can design your own courses, even though they had nothing about soil at this at this particular college, even though DePaul does have a, another soil scientist there, and they do offer some soil classes. I wasn't applying to that department because it, it looked just like Purdue and I didn't want that. So the School for New Learning was very diverse. Everyone was from a different walk of life, different expertise. I mean, we had lawyers, we had psychologists, we had sociologists, we had historians, we had artists, we had theater people, we had creative writers. This was, and they were all faculty. And so I, that was just like awesome. And everybody was about community, you know, about advocacy, about, you know, about the student. And so I had to figure out how was I gonna incorporate soil into this, you know, cause that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about soil. That's all I wanted to do. And I, you know, I'm with Chicago, I'm back in Chicago now and I'm with students that are from Chicago that probably don't care anything about soil. Not at that time, people have a little bit more interest now, but back then they didn't. And so uh, I came up myself, another faculty member kind of helped me get a, um, figure out a name for a course that would be catchy. So we called it Urban Dirt. And funny enough, some of the students thought it was a, a gossip class because, you know, they thought dirt meaning, you know, I got the dirt on you. <laughs> so, and I think people registered because of that, you know, in general. So at that point, I started, um, I, I had other courses around soil, other courses around water, and then you know, being at a higher edge, you get a chance to connect with so many other people, so many other students, because a lot of our, uh, our students were adults. So uh, at that time, most of them were older than me when I first started there. So that was an interesting twist. And so a lot of them would, you know, were already out in the community. So they would give me connections or, you know, invite me to different things, you know, professional things to, you know, meet other people. And so after a while, it just started building. I started going to Loyola for some of their soil stuff that they were having and just branching out and figuring out, trying to figure out a way that I can get tenure, of course, promotion and tenure with my ideas of soil, right, without having a lab, because I did not have a lab there and I didn't want one either. Um, so what type of projects, I had to think about what type of projects could I have that would be publishable and also you know, interested enough to the students so that, you know, I could have a really good, you know, dossier to present, you know, once promotion and tenure came up. And so I got a grant to do some work with Purdue. We did, we did work on uh, low impact development. So I did some modeling of urban development here in Chicago of two communities, one I live in and one that's right uh, north of the community I live in. So I was able to take like uh, a quarter off because we were on quarters here at DePaul and go down there. I spent, you know, a week or two with them just modeling and writing and, you know, getting work done. So that that was the second part of the motivation to move toward this more community stuff, looking at soil and water dynamics, looking at, you know, runoff, looking at stormwater management and, um, that led to a project. We got a grant so that I can build rain gardens here in Chicago. And this was a few years ago. We got a, a C grant to do that. And so I got a chance to build like two, two or three rain gardens and then COVID came. 
Well, no, I quit Nepal. That was the first thing. I quit Nepal and then COVID came. So, uh, but I got a chance to at least experiment with doing it and really figuring out what's, you know, what's the best way to do that to, you know, to help people figure out, you know, flooding issues at their home without having to spend thousands of dollars with, you know, having a company come in and do, you know, flood proofing. So from there, I started meeting. It was funny because I had that whole time I was at Nepal, I was meeting certain people, but it wasn't taken off the way I wanted it to for research purposes. But that last few years, I started meeting people and I met this one individual who, um, I don't know if I talked about um, Oren Williams. Now he has been very instrumental in me meeting so many other people and really having a chance for me to have a platform to talk about soil at different urban farms here in Chicago and you know consulting with people, you know just doing presentations, uh, putting together curricular, putting together curriculums or curricular. Curricula is plural, and um, we have a podcast now. We, we got a grant so we could do, which is one of my gardens I was just talking about to do. We're not, it's like when back in Chicago, a long time ago, they did this thing called Victory Gardens where, you know, they encourage people to grow their own gardens. It was during the wartime. And so we're trying to get people back to that. So like using your, if you have a backyard or whatever space that you have to live in an apartment, you got space to grow something that you can, you know, you can consume. So you don't have to spend so much money at the grocery store. And then, so from there, it's just kind of kicked off with just really getting involved with soil and really thinking about my place in that and how I can be impactful around soil and not in such a technical way, but more in a space of just really bringing people more to, to the soil or bringing soil to them in a, in a way that they're, you know, thinking about it differently, experiencing it differently, and really caring about what happens with the soil. And so that's, that's the kickoff of all these different things that's been happening around soil, around water, around community, around advocacy. Um, I'm on the board of the Friends of the Forest Preserves, which is not necessarily soil related, of course, but it's about the forest preserves. So anything comes up about water, you know, they'll ask me. I'm a board member of the Advocates for Urban Ag here in Chicago. I've given several presentations for them around soil to the different urban farms, urban growers, I should say, that are in Chicago. And then last year, right at the right, right at the uh, start of COVID, we started this group called Chicago Girls Food. And it's quite a few people that just got together and we just started kind of talking and meeting on Zoom about like, you know, how we're feeling and just it was like it started off as like a healing type thing. And then it went to like, what can we do? And we started uh, writing for grants. We got grant money to do these grow kits where we were giving people soil, some seed. Or at, at the time we had actually they had actually grown some stuff. So they were giving people um, like, you know, small plants, whatever. What are they called? I can't even think of it. But anyway, transplants, plant. starter um, plants. Yeah, trans <laughs> yep, that's what it is. Transplant starter plants. They would give them that. And of a guide, you know, what to do. And so that that just grew exponentially since last spring, you know, spring of 2020. And we met every week. Um, then I got, so we had Big Green. I don't know if you've heard of Big Green, but they they are part of the group. And so that just kicked off with them. They invited me to do some videos, which we did last fall. We're gonna do some more. They just sent me an email 
about soil. So doing a soil, you know, jar test, doing a soil touch by field, doing a soil aggregate test. So I just came up with these little activities that people can do at home with their kids or kids can do with teachers in the classroom setting. And so Big Green is all about, you know, literacy and education around, you know, ag, around urban ag in a sense. And so they put school gardens in Chicago and around, I guess, around the United States in a sense, but specifically I know about people in Chicago and they have a whole website. They, they have a whole list. We've been doing workshops all summer long. We just did one. I did one first about soil, just in general of looking at a, what that means for like a car. I did like a garden asset planner video where I use my own home to talk about like where the sun is, how, you know, access to water, the type of soils, the tools, planning it out, just all of that. And then we went to looking at soil from a more cultural artistic pers um, perspective. And that was really great. So it gave me a chance to do a little bit more digging about how soil, you know, not doing a technical part, but the more creative part of that. So, you know, we, you know, we can eat soil, we can consume soil for, you know, for, um, for detoxing, for cleansing, uh, you know, of course we can paint with soil, you know, we can build homes with soil, just, just allowing people to see that soil is not just dirt on the ground that's going to maybe grow something or that you just, stamp, you know, stampede on, but it actually is something that people have used for centuries, you know, to, you know, indigenous in indigenous uh, cultures. And so just giving people a chance to leave that urban mindset, you know, where it is and kind of transport you to a different way of thinking things. Because honestly, if climate change continues as it is, we are going to have to start figuring out some uh, indigenous type practices that we all left behind in the, in the search of city life. So, um, so just having those type of conversations with people and then this podcast, it's not necessarily about soil at all, but we do have one, one thread where we do talk about gardening. And I did one recording about soil in general, but our podcast is called Roots Watering Hole. So, you know, in Africa, the watering hole is where all the animals came to, you know, they drink the water where the women, you know, usually would go get the water. That's where they would exchange ideas, share ideas, and they would take it back. And so that's kind of, we're trying to use that African tradition of oral history, of oral narrating, of oral stories, and definitely with the overarching theme of healing. And so we've had so many different people that's just been so awesome. I feel like I'm in college. <laughs> the amount of knowledge that I'm gaining being on, um, you know, interviewing these people for the podcast. So um, our next thing is- Where can we find that podcast? What's my next thing? Yeah, it's on Buzzsprout, but the website is rootswateringhole.org. So that's all one word. So R-O-O-T-S-W-A-T-E-R-I-N-G-H-O-L-E.org. Roots Watering Hole. Tell me about Miseducation of the Farmer. The Center for Humans and Nature. So they had asked me to write for, so they have, questions that they post and they ask people to respond to it. And this one, what I was responding to was, what's it like to be a 21st century farmer or something like that, I think was the question. And funny enough, I have, I was watching Baychella 
<laughs> I was watching it and I, I needed some inspiration to write because I thought they wanted me to write. They probably did. They probably wanted me to write a whole a narrative, an essay. And I had zero interest in writing an essay and I like writing poems. So I was watching, you know, Bay do her show. And I was listening to some of her lyrics, which I don't normally do per se for her, but I was listening to some of her lyrics on that Lemonade album. And some of them were really, uh, I don't know, uh, resonating with me. So I kind of took that information and I started thinking about other songs like Michael Jackson, of course, and Lauren Hill and some Erica Badu and just different people that artists that had said things to me not to me specifically, but you know, resonated with me. So I kind of used that and really thinking about farming in a way that was alternate to probably what they were expecting for me to write. And I wanted to talk about the miseducation of it because, you know, we basically have destroyed the soil, right? And that's basically what I was trying to say that we, you know, we market all of these products for, for the soil to amend the soil to to um to kill off the uh the insects you know with pesticides and things we're doing all these genetic things you know modifications and things to you know to the plants to the crops to the fruits to the vegetables all of that so i just wanted to talk about how we are being miseducated from that point of view i mean we've been miseducated on a lot of different things but of course this was about ag so i took it from that point of view and really thinking about trying to get people to really think about like what are we doing and is this is is this the most appropriate way the best way to be you know in symbiosis with the soil with the earth with the plants because at the end of the day we're all connected we're not the same not asking for us to be the same not asking us for, to do the same activity or the same opinion or the same you know behavior or same thoughts and at the same time we have to work towards a goal that's going to be, you know, equally mutually helpful. Miseducation of a farmer. Dear farmer, producer, nutritionist, agronomist, farmhand, cultivator, grower, sharecropper, geneticist. How you must deliberate on how you may have been reckless. How will you win when you're not right within? How can you deny your alleged impact on climate change? Shall we call it something else? Okay, get information. Prove to Mother Earth you got some coordination. Tell us the truth. You can't be what you can't see. Akin to pregnancy, long and arduous hard work, and may not be able to deliver the so-called goods. All the while remembering that without community, there is no liberation. Knowing that, hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Thinking, what a wicked way to treat someone who loves you. Though, I ain't sorry. You say, stop interrupting my grinding. Left a note in the hallway. By the time you read it, I'll be far away. Rest in peace, my love, who I took for granted. Soil, water, air, dust to policies, CEOs, and big corps. My focus is kill through farmers, keeping alive living entities, feeding abundantly and robustly memories of eternal retribution. 
Titles are everything in this world. To simplify our lives, we categorize everything. I am a farmer. Are you? By the very definition provided by Merriam-Webster, quote, a person who pays a fixed sum for some privilege or source of income, a person who cultivates land or crops, or raises animals such as livestock or fish, unquote. So, what happened? What was the turning point on your journey to nourish souls and bodies? How did we come to where we are now? On the upside, we have many growers who have similar goals of our historic past. My worry is, slavery was real and still is alive today. It just looks differently now. It seems every decision in ag has had major consequences. A detachment to the land, earth, and natural resources. However, a variety of food choices. Reduced air quality, reduced water quality, reduced soil quality, ecosystem disruption, and natural landscape disruption. One major question I have, how does this disconnect impact our engagement with the Earth's amazing life force? I understand the need to make food more nutritional. How did that turn to everything we eat falling under the category of GMO? Do we even realize just how much we have altered nature? As a soil scientist, I believe it is imperative that the soil is valued and appreciated. Historically, farmers attempted to value their soil in the best way they knew how. The soil is a formidable opponent in the game of farming as we witnessed. Why aren't we listening? Most insects start their life in the soil. Medications are byproducts of soil. Soil filters are drinking water. Oh, farmer, what have we done? Is it reversible? Remember when you didn't have to read labels before buying and consuming foods? Wonder who was the first individual to do so and called out the disparities. Wonder what was the original scheme and how well it's playing out. It must be shocking to earlier farmers that the food we are offered comes from trucks carried from factories to grocery stores that are inequitably distributed geographically. Sugar, salt, fat, the main ingredients in our food now. So many gimmicks to lose weight, diets, eat healthier, eat organic. How can we be more accountable to our food choices, production, and delivery? What will it finally take for us to all be more mindful and demand accountability from our nation's farmers and leaders? It feels like this. Showing how fucking strong is your fight. It doesn't matter who's wrong or right. Just beat it. Just beat it. They're out to get you. Better leave while you can. You have to show them that you're really not scared. You're playing with your life. This ain't no truth or dare. They'll kick you, they'll beat you, then they'll tell you it's fair, so beat it. But you want to be bad, just beat it. P.S. my farmers, nourish my soul, my body, my spirit. Let's embark on a symbiotic relationship where I provide you an enthusiastic customer. You provide organically produced products in season. I don't want a geneticist, I want a green thumb. I want someone who speaks to the life in a whisperer kind of way. I want the opposite, to visit your land and lend a helping hand. I want to know what practices you have pursued and your strategic goals to combat water pollution and climate change. All life is sustained through water. If we aren't more decisive, 
the world's water supply might not be available for the next generations. Changing mindsets, changing directives, evolving with the earth, eating sustainably, cures most health issues that plague the world. The rise of mental health issues is no phenomenon. It is all connected to the food we eat. If you go to the doctor, what do they say? Exercise and diet. What a winning combination. If we were all farmers, we would get the exercise along with the more nutritious diet. Obesity is real. Many of us are part of the vicious cycle of poverty, poor eating habits, lack of education, and lack of motivation to evolve. There are several ways to combat this issue. One way is to continue factory farms and factory production of our food. How is that organic? Food sources are unlimited if we broaden our horizons. Hmm, what happened to the seeds in the watermelon? Seems we lose as soon as we play the game. You might win some, but you just lost one and another one and another one. Everything you do is so tired. Food is supposed to inspire. How come we ain't getting no higher? I've been here before. This ain't a battle. This is a war. Doing things independently so I don't overexpose myself. I don't have to go out looking for you. You came looking for me. Observe How a Legacy Do It by Aileen and Akila. Thank you.